An Auckland property developer has found out the hard way that being on the right side of the rules doesn't always mean a winning hand. Hi, I'm Alexia Russell and today on The Detail, what happens when a city expands so much that a military airbase suddenly has to start thinking about the new neighbours on its back fence? The Environment Court who ruled one way, a developer wants to build a bunch of houses but the developer says, can you keep the noise down please at the Air Force Base? And the Environment Court agreed with them and Ron Mark went, excuse me, it's an Air Force base and we've got some fairly serious business going on. I'm overruling you on national security. With the stroke of a pen, Defence Minister Ron Mark has overruled an Environment Court decision on noise restrictions for plane engine testing at Auckland's Whenuapai Air Base. The developer Neil Group won a noise complaint case against the base in the Environment Court last month, but Ron Mark has now stepped in and used his special powers to exempt the Air Base from the Resource Management Act on the grounds of national security. He says the court judgment is now meaningless and it's business as usual at Whenuapai. So this is basically what happened. When the Auckland Council was drawing up its planning rules, it asked the Defence Force how loud its engine testing was and planned future development around that. But the testing of Orion engines sometimes exceeds those noise limits, so Neil Construction asked for and got the Environment Court to agree that Fenuapai should stick to the nighttime decibels laid down in the unitary plan. All according to the rules, but... The Defence Minister has slammed the decision and says property development may now be a threat to our national security. This decision has prompted some very stern words from the Minister of Defence. Ron Mark says this is an extremely dangerous precedent to set. He says in the future this could mean that the Defence Force is unable to attend search and rescue missions outside of the 9 to 5 business hours. There's also concerns that if the military base has to move, that could cost the taxpayer millions of dollars. Ron Mark has made no apology for using his ministerial superpowers to trump the Environment Court, saying if you move into an area where there's an operational Air Force base, you need to accept there will be noise generated by military aircraft. People knew when they bought and moved into that area that there'd been an Air Force base there since since the Second World War. People know that those aircraft are required to deploy at any time of the day or night. Very often, um, going out to search for people in peril on the sea, uh, yachties, um, uh, fishermen, uh, they deploy to Hadar operations. Prior to deployment, they are required, which is standard aviation practice, to to run their engines up and test them. Um, That's quite aside from the testing that we might have to do after we've completed a maintenance schedule. Um, And and it's just unsafe to fly an aircraft without testing the engines before one even attempts to take off. So we have to do these things. It's part of the, you know, it's, it's what we do. You might be surprised to find out residents generally back the airbase and were petitioning for the court to reverse its decision. It's considered a special part of this far northwestern corner of Auckland, along with the historic vineyards, peaceful upper harbour and proximity to a rural lifestyle. Neil Construction have been around for many, many years and I'm quite sure before they purchased the land they would have been well aware of the airbase and its activity. People are, have moved in there fully knowing that the airbase is there and accept the activity. So I think the important thing here is is that these engine testing is very infrequent at night. The other noise at night is sometimes search and rescue, and residents are well aware that basically people's lives are being saved by those. 
When Whenua Pai tests its aircraft engines overnight, the noise can be heard for miles. But it's part of living near the airbase, right? An airbase that's been there since before World War II, before the Harbour Bridge was built and before Auckland's population exploded. It's not deliberately trying to annoy residents. The Defence Force told me in a statement that because most flying operations take place during the day and the same planes may have to fly again the next day, any faults have to be dealt with overnight. The last step in maintenance is running the engines. Ron Mark says there's a bigger question here that worries him. And that is the whole question around encroachment and the ongoing challenges to military bases that were once set up in isolated locations, free from any sort of interference on their operations. I mean, uh, you go back to Wigram, it was way out in the country outside of Christchurch, it eventually got built around and then shut down. A lot of it from complaints about the noise from the Harvards flying, and they, and they were training officers, pilot officers to fly. Look at what we're facing now down in West Mill where we have objections to people who have moved into the area on lifestyle blocks um, because of the noise from the rifle. That rifle range uh, has been there a hundred years. We've got similar um, similar challenges around potentially around Linton and and around Burnham. If you look at the amount of growth in the Rolleston area, and I've had numerous property developers uh, make clear that they would like to actually uh, to put more property development uh, out in, on the fringes of Burnham. Back in Auckland, Warren McLennan is the council's manager for Northwest Planning, covering Whanuapai. We have tried to work with New Zealand Defence Force to say, well, if there is a noise issue, um, then we'll put some light industrial land closely adjacent and, and housing further out. He says planning controls are in place to make sure that as the city grows, residents can still live peaceful lives and hold their barbecues outside. I mean, people live not far from Auckland International Airport. So it's it can be done and it, there can be double glazing and there can be different sorts of activities there and so on. So it's not impossible. It's, it's the restraints that you can put around those that make it successful or not. Some places in Whanuapai have got some residential development where they have simply no complaints clauses written in before people even buy the house. We don't think that's such a good way to go. We would rather try and ensure that the environment is a good residential environment for the people who live there. Okay, so explain no complaints clauses. That means that if you buy a house there, you sign a contract that says, I know that the, uh, there's an airport there, I know that there's going to be noise, I'm not going to complain about it. That's correct. And do many people sign those contracts? Is it sort of seen as a... It's a condition of purchase in, in, yeah. in some of those places. As I say, we don't think that's a good way to manage the issue. Mm. We think it's, it's far better to try and get a land use adjacent which is reasonably compatible. Do you get developers who will speculate, OK, like, we'll purchase this land, lobby for the airport to go, and then we'll make a killing on turning it into housing? I guess we've got developers looking to develop all around Auckland and looking 
and trying to reduce all of the constraints. At the same time, they would probably say, and we need you to build a road, or, or we, we want to make sure that um, wastewater is available in this area. Um, we've got a long-term plan about where we see growth going, and we're trying to stick to that. So we really try and dissuade people from changing some of that. McLennan points out that the noise issue at the airbase may resolve itself shortly. In the medium term, the, the Orions will be replaced by other planes. Yeah, and the Poseidons are a lot quieter. And the Poseidons are A, a lot quieter, but B, I think they're being transferred to Ohakia yeah, anyway. Right. And that's not to do with noise, that's to do with the length of the runway. So some of the noise issues may disappear or reduce. So that will help us in planning anyway. But University of Auckland planning expert Dr Lee Beatty says the situation should not have arisen in the first place. I'd argue we've got to take a fundamental step back and say, what are we actually doing here? Why are we allowing housing to be constructed in these locations? And it's just not for new it's throughout the rest of the city and most of our cities and towns in New Zealand, to be perfectly honest. Why are we allowing things to be developed at the periphery instead of saying, let's look at neighbourhood creation? I mean, you create those houses out there, where's the nearest job? Where's the nearest park? Where's the nearest amenities in terms of shopping, which is Westgate? Most people travel to Westgate. How do you get to Westgate? You get to Westgate by car. So fundamentally, we're still creating car-oriented developments of all the social and problems that they generate. You know, you think about the loss of production, think of the carbon. If we're serious about climate change, we'd fundamentally change the way we develop. We wouldn't encourage these car-oriented developments. That's what I would argue is a much more fundamental question about why are we allowing ourselves to continue to develop at the periphery of our cities at densities like between about 15, 10, 15, 20 dwellings per hectare, which are not sustainable to run public transport options without a massive heavy subsidy. OK, but Auckland's major problem has been that we don't have enough houses to house people and we've had to embark on this really rapid building project. Are you saying that we should have gone up, not out? I'm saying it's a combination of things. And when people talk about up and out, people somehow think it's there's big, huge cheese blocks or some big, huge towers and or just lifestyle living or single detached housing. It's not that at all. It's a combination of housing choices and options. You can have quite dense, livable um, spaces at three to four storeys in height. And there are very many examples throughout the world. I mean, you look at our inner city suburbs, which are quite dense, and it's not surprising to me that they are some of our most desirable suburbs. I'm, I'm very lucky. I bought in Greyland many years ago uh, when I was a student. I grew up in South Auckland. Um, but I've lived there most of my life, and it's I can walk to five cafes. I can walk to my supermarket in six minutes. I can get to work in ten minutes. All those things we're talking about. So why aren't we replicating those types of things as part of our development patterns? Why are we allowing it just to talk about housing when we should be talking about community construction? To me, it's not affordable housing to put something at the periphery and then expect people to drive an hour or whatever it is to get to work to get to services, to, to do shopping, to do all those types of things. That's not affordable housing. And I think we need to be more sophisticated in the way we deal with things and look at it as neighbourhood creation, just not housing. And I'm not disputing there's a housing issue, but there's more than just a housing issue. All we're doing is pushing those costs down the road, is what, is what I would argue. OK, well, given that there are already quite a few more houses in Whanupai than there were during World War Two, <laughs> Yeah, there's just the farms out there, I think. <laughs> What, what can be done about it? I mean, how, you know, most people who live out there say the, that part of the attraction is the, that the Air Force is there, that, you yeah, know, yeah. and living with the sound of aircraft is just 
And it's horses. It's, it's, it's housing choice, isn't it? It's not about, for me, it's not imposing one type of housing option on everyone. But then it's about, for me, it's about then assigning those costs that go with those types of things. If you want to live on a lifestyle block at the periphery, why is the motorway travel fundamentally subsidised by the rest of us? Why don't you pay the true cost of travel? All that work's been done. And I mean, and I know then you run into equity problems. Who can afford to travel? And I think that's part of the bigger question that we're facing now. As a society, instead of investing in effective transport systems, we've now pushed those costs down onto the people with the least amount of resources and ability to pay for those types of things by saying you now have to buy cars and vehicles and things like this, and then with all the costs that are associated with running those vehicles. Instead of saying, like most other cities in the world, let's invest in effective public transport. And it's not, you know, it's not saying get rid of the car at all. You know, we still need them. It's about reducing the need for those vehicles and creating communities that people can walk to all these things. And there's another issue looming for the Whanuapai Air Base. Air New Zealand boss Christopher Luxon says investigating options for a second commercial airport in Auckland is not about putting the squeeze on the current operator, it's about cheaper airfares and cutting the commute time for travellers. The airlines revealed it's in the final stages of assessing the viability of flying out of the Defence Force owned Whanuapai Air Base in northwest Auckland, but hasn't yet discussed its proposal with the government. In a city that grows north and south, why wouldn't you actually, when you've got half the population living in North Shore, and also in West Auckland, why wouldn't you actually open up and take some of the pressure off Auckland Airport as a result and our transport system? We get a lot of pushback to say that Auckland is a city under huge infrastructure constraints, right? Auckland Airport is a suboptimal experience, has been for some time, likely will be with the rebuild going forward. Uh, And you can't tell me that's a world-class piece of infrastructure that we see in other advanced economies around the world. We have a review that was launched six weeks ago about the future of Whanuapai. We'll input into that properly. We'll have a deep conversation around it. It's right that we have the conversation conversation because in New Zealand we can sit here and criticise the lack of infrastructure and say it's not good enough but why wouldn't we have a brave conversation and actually understand the different viewpoints in it and actually try and work out a solution. Upper Harbour local board chair Margaret Miles says it's unlikely they'll rule in favour of an airport given the noise they generate. Noise as a continual thing during the day that is slightly different from the the odd incident at night that's occurring. I couldn't comment on Air New Zealand's business case. It's not my area of expertise. But I could understand from a, from a local point of view that may provide some benefits instead of um, going all the way out to Mangere. But what I would argue is that we should have an effective system, public transport system, so it doesn't take such a long period of time getting out to the airport. I mean... I have to say, I've been quite lucky. I have a motorbike and I ride my bike to the airport and I would have missed a few flights if I didn't have a bike going through the traffic, to be honest, because the traffic is so bad. Why haven't we invested in an effective public transport system? The next question you've got to ask yourself about that is where are we going with air travel if we're serious about climate change and all those types of things? So I think there's a really interesting... Um, contradiction potentially arising in that space. So, I mean, long-term view, talking about yeah, the, the effects on um, pollution, etc., of air travel uh, and the um, fact that Whanupai is becoming a very built-up area uh, and that, you know, um, people might object to having commercial flights going in and out of there, is the more cost-effective and realistic idea to build rapid rail or something out to the airport? Well, I, I would argue it doesn't have to be rapid rail. It could be rapid bus. It could be a, a different range of options that are cost effective. But some sort of 
And I know the council's seriously looking at that. Obviously, with the council's just invested that money in Ponui Station. Obviously, with this new rapid bus line linking that to the airport and then potentially out to Botany after that. It's those types of initiatives that we should be prioritising, my, in my view, opposed to prioritising car-based travel options. Now, getting back to Whanupai, you were working with North Shore Council when you yeah, said ago when North... this was all discussed. There was a, a, a joint venture company between Waitaka and North Shore City Council, yeah. And they looked at turning it into a commercial yes. airport. Yes. What happened there? Um, again, I was not involved in the fine-grained detail of that, but I understand that when uh, Andrew Williams was elected mayor, it was his pledge to stop those flight paths and there was a lot of concern from residents, especially in the North Shore areas, about the impact of um, noise and flight paths and such like. That was his political manifesto or whatever the right word is and he gave effect to that and North Shore, is my understanding, withdrew from that joint venture and it didn't go any further. So do you reckon it's a goer at any stage? Oh, I, I can't comment on the business cases of, <laughs> of, um, of those sort of Should things. Should it be though? Um, well, I would argue... I think that we should, if we're going to have these types of infrastructure, we should seriously think about the reverse sensitivity issues that take place. You know, the ports of Auckland, the port has worked very, very hard, and rightly so, over the years to ensure that everyone knows it's there. It's got a 24-hour operation, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and it's an integral part of the Auckland economy. And, you know... It ensures that if you move in there, you understand that these are the noise impacts you're going to get. And I think when we deal with these types of things, you do have to think about the reverse sensitivity issues. It's the term that we use in the trade to say, you know, to ensure that, you know, someone new moves in, to acknowledge that the people are there first, if they're lawfully established, of course, you know, they've got their appropriate consents or whatever the case may be, um, to ensure that those issues don't impact upon the new people that come in. Is there a case to be made, though, that the world is changing, that Auckland needs to develop, that we need to fit in all these new people, that the reality is that there is going to be some sort of urban sprawl? At some stage, the reverse sensitivities have to swing back the other way and maybe the original owner has to look at, OK, it's no longer appropriate for me to be here. Yeah, it's, it's always a balance, but I'd argue I think we've sprawled for over the last 50 years, haven't we? If you look at urban Auckland's growth over the last 50 years, predominantly has been at the edge in the city. And can you see a time when the housing will crowd in Whanupai Airbase so much that the airbase has no choice but to leave? Oh, that's I can't speculate on that, but... It, I mean, I, you know, that's a potential option for the Crown. It could say, I don't want to do this. It's going to create all these concerns. Let's move out. Now, that's... Think of the loss of employment. It's like, imagine if we lost the, the naval base at Devonport. Well, that's another place that's under threat, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Imagine the loss of employment that, that would generate and the benefits that, that brings mm -hmm. to the city. And those, those are the types of discussions that we should be having. You know, where do we put these activities? Why are we putting housing around these things when there may be different places that we could have put that housing, you know, to protect those types of strategic assets. You know, the airports, ports of Auckland, defence facilities, those are strategic assets, I would argue. That's the detail for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz, made possible by the RNZ NZ On Air Innovation Fund. Hit the subscribe button to stay across the detail every day. And if you're on Apple, please leave a rating as it helps other listeners find us. This episode was engineered by Adrian Holley. Kanui tēnei.